I don't know for sure, but it's a lot more. It, the uh, in insane asylums, automatically the psychiatrist or the psychologist that put them there uh, assume that there's no demon, there's no spirit world. So demon possession is automatically ruled out. But but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot, a lot of the people that are walking around. A Bremerton talking to themselves and their heads spinning back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if a if a good percentage of those are demon possessed as well. It's very tough to say. And the more occultic we get, uh, the more widespread that's going to be. Uh, but uh, let's see what were we oh with the uh, we were talking about yeah now but when you when you have these horror movies or science fiction movies or any other movies. Where you know there are some things that if you just see it or hear it, it automatically is going to have a bad effect. And uh, uh, so I, I, I don't think uh, I think we should think twice about going to, to see a movie where they're using uh, foul language throughout the entire movie. Uh, I think most of uh, I grew up in New Jersey, and then the language got a little bit better when I was in the Marine Corps, but. Uh, uh, but you know, most most of our people are former military and stuff, and things don't shock them. But at the same time, you know, you got your kids. So, uh, but nudity is something. You know, it's like even the Seven Hundred Club. The, 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 I, I applaud them for being opposed to pornography. But every once in a while, they'll show you some of the garbage, and then they'll just have a line drawn through a woman's breast or some part of a man's body or whatever. And now, if the 700 Club is correct, and I think they are, that pornography is harmful, then I think when they show how bad it is, just to let you know, um, I think they're peddling pornography. So uh, I think there's sometimes that we have to try to describe these things to, yes, there's a lot of Christians who live in their little shielded world and they don't get out and talk to Christians and this and that, uh, talk to non-believers and and they don't, they're not aware of what's going on. Uh, at the same time, though, there's there some things that uh, we should just talk about. And once we show that, we're causing stumbling blocks to other people. And uh, so, but basically, the classical horror movie, like Friday the 13th, I would see that as a being a uh, dangerous type of movies. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I'm really not as bad. As, I'm, I'm really not as down, though, on... Uh, a lot of blood as I am although you know you get a person who's not real stable minded what worries me most of all is when there's a lot of blood in the movie and there's not much difference between the the good guy and the bad guy okay even even James Bond movies I mean the good guy can sleep around with as many women as he wants so as long as he gets the bad guy in the end we call him a hero and so we're giving people the impression that maybe a guy like that can make a good president. You know? Maybe he can save the country even though he can't be faithful to his wife. And uh, so what worries me is, is not so much the... Uh, you know, I have no problem seeing two little boys playing cops and robbers so long as, uh, you know, they're learning that, hey, you know, uh, it's it's wrong to shoot innocent people, but it's okay to shoot someone in defense of your life or defend the people that you love. So, 
basically I look for a lot of the message a lot of time, but but horror movies and science fiction look at look at Dracula is based on a historical character. Uh of course the this the particular Dracula character they did a lot of put a lot of changes on uh made a lot of changes to that character before they, they actually put it into the movie, but it's, he only comes out at night. He sucks people's blood. He's the uh uh walks around in darkness, he's called the Prince of Darkness. Um I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. That, uh, you know, uh, he's afraid of the crucifix. Um, I mean, that they made uh, the Dracula character. The reason why he's so scary is he's basically a Satan incarnate type guy. So, uh, uh, but these types of things, sometimes you have little little uh, Johnny sitting down watching this stuff at age five or six. And all of a sudden, he starts getting a warped view of reality, and he thinks, "Man, if I just had the power that Dracula had." And that's that's kind of weird, but in our contemporary, you know, our, our modern horror flicks, you know, we applaud when Freddy goes out there and kills another person. I mean, it's to the point where all of a sudden the bad guys are becoming good. In fact, the, the latest movies of Dracula, they made him out to be a good guy. The latest movies of the Frankenstein monster, he's a good guy. All you have to do to see that clear trend today, and it's horrible, is to look at comic books. Yeah. You, or or Saturday morning so cartoons. Demonic, I mean, comic books are worse. Mm. I've never seen so many outright, horribly disfigured, disgusting-looking demonic creatures mm -hmm. portrayed as heroes and avengers of injustice. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. Oh, by the by the way, with Dungeons and with Dungeons and Dragons, how much of an open door that was too. By the way, uh, there was a police department. I read it in the Bremen Sun, but it was like an an AP, you know, Associated Press article. There was actually a police department. I think it was in Minnesota, uh, a small town in Minnesota, where. They basically, whenever they made, uh, it was getting so popular in their area, whenever they made a traffic stop, uh, a routine traffic stop, if they found the Dungeons and, and Dragons box there, they would immediately go into a felony stop for their officer's protection. So, now the, di the difference between, I don't know if you guys know about lovers, the difference between a felony stop and a regular stop, a regular traffic stop, you know, you blow a stop sign or you're speeding, the cop just pulls you over and he just walks up to your vehicle. A felony stop, he stays back, communicates with his pistol drawn and pointed at you, communicates from his PA with it, if he's got a partner, the partner's got his shotgun uh, at his side ready to you know draw down on you, and then they order you out of the vehicle, make you kneel down or make you walk backwards to them and then get down on the ground and then pat you and stuff so so it's basically you know that that's what you do when a a guy's a suspect of stealing a car, or a suspect of murder or rape, and just for officers' protection, they just had too many run-ins with guys who were so fanatical about Dungeons and Dragons. Like you know, most Christians never leave home without their Bibles. Well, they they were having people who would never leave home without their Dungeons and Dragons board game. In fact, I t I did talk to one guy who kept saying he kept referring to himself as his character, and I get so confused. I said, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about you or your character? And he'd say, oh, my character. And then he'd go on and on. And after a while, it starts sounding like he's talking about it. I'd say, wait, wait, are you talking about you or your character? He'd say, oh, my character. 
but you know, one, after a while, you know, you couldn't tell the difference between the two. Um, transcendental meditation, Hindu meditation, but they've claimed we're talking about again how people get introduced to to the world of the occult. Transcendental meditation um, portrays itself as being something that is not religious. It's got nothing to do with religion. It's just uh, relaxation techniques. Well, in actuality, it's, it's Hindu meditation. There's a disengaging of the mind from rational thought. And, uh, and then there's actually uh, single-syllable mantras, which are actually taken from the names of different Hindu deities and uh, uh, demonic influence and uh, demonic possession. Uh, is uh, the possibility of that is increased through transcendental meditation. Uh, drug abuse. Uh, Galatians 5.20, the word pharmakia, is translated sorcery. Uh, we get our word pharmacy from it, a drugstore. And to the ancient Greeks and the ancient Jews, um, uh, if you use drugs, regardless of whether you use drugs to either escape reality or to try to find a higher realm of reality, which, by the way, the ancient man would have viewed it to the drug usage as, as finding a, a higher realm of reality, having a spiritual experience, disengaging his mind, having a spiritual experience. is only secular, modern secular man that came up with the idea that it was purely a a physical thing that would cause us to hallucinate and that type of thing but basically whether you were trying to find a higher reality or putting a, a, a potion on somebody um, making a magic potion to to try to control someone it was irrelevant you were a sorcerer so in the 60s all you know and even today you know any our drug abusers and especially drug pushers the Bible would consider them sorcerers uh, but we were so secular-minded in the 60s as a nation that we viewed it as in, in totally secular terms, and we didn't even understand. We were just the 1960s, that decade in this country, and, we, and look at it, it, it wasn't so secular by the people who were doing the drugs. They were talking about the age of Aquarius and about this new age that was coming, this new age of peace and prosperity and, and getting back to the earth and that type of thing. Uh, and you saw the gurus, the Beatles loved the, the Maharishi, and so did the Beach Boys. And, and, uh, but uh, we were basically that this nation just not only, you know, not only did we kick God out of the schools in the early 60s, but we were opening the door wide open and just begging the demonic realm to come in. Uh, so drug abuse has introduced many people to the world of the occult. Uh, you know, we know a guy at our church that was a former dealer and is, is, is trying to, he's uh, trying to uh, break his usage of drugs, uh, but he'd be the first to admit the connection between uh, the world of drugs and the world of the occult, and, and uh, he could probably fill an entire shelf with books he has read as a drug pusher, cover to cover, from from the world of, from masonry to to Anton LaVey's work to to all different sorts uh, of occultic things because uh, the world of drugs and the world of the occult and the search for uh, demonic supernatural power goes hand in hand. Um, 
And I'm not saying everybody who's addicted to drugs or who sells drugs or who uses drugs uh, is consciously in the world of the occult. Um, but some do recognize that. Uh, but even if they're not consciously aware of it, they, they are basically in the world of the occult. Uh, magic shows. Remember, magic shows is part of the pseudo-occult, the art of illusion. It's done for entertainment purposes. But that often gets people interested in the search for hidden and secret powers that go beyond the five senses. So, in other words, the art of illusion often uh, encourages people uh, to look for supernatural secret powers. Uh, then also another thing that introduces people to the world of the occult is the desire for power and secret wisdom. Especially the, the wimp who always gets beat up at school. You know, it's like, man, if, I, if there was just something that, some source of power. And, and you, have, you have many. Uh, back in Jersey, I knew of uh, wimps who were getting the tar kicked out of them. And uh, that would end up contacting witches or warlocks and uh, would uh, go through their rituals to become a witch or a warlock and seek power that way, figuring, you know, it, 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 you know, from their viewpoint, it's a lot more was a lot more practical than taking a Charles Atlas course. So, uh, so that's the way. Was that? Uh, I did. I never hit. Well, of course, I didn't hit the guy before that either. But I never hit him after. You know, when I found out what he was into, I just figured, hey, I, I'm, I'm not having anything to do with this guy. Especially when he told me the different things he had to collect. Uh, just to get initiated, you know, uh, you know, a lock of hair from this and that, and it just, it was just a lot of weird, a lot, a lot of weird things that uh, I just, I just figured I will avoid this guy like the plague. Uh, also, the desire to contact a deceased loved one—that was the case of Houdini. He wanted to contact his mother who had died, and uh, began to go to seances. They uncovered a lot of phony seances, but he really wanted to find one that was legitimate because uh, he had a desire to contact his deceased mother. People worldwide are trying to contact him every year. Yeah. Anniversary of his death. And uh, all right, Kurt, just uh. Uh, uh, peer pressure. Also, you know, if your friends are dabbling in the world of the occult or deep in it, and you're going to high school, often peer pressure can lead a person to be introduced to the world of the occult. Uh, just the idea of rebellion against authority, and lo and behold, God is the ultimate authority. And who's the, the biggest rebel, the, the leader of the rebellion against God's authority? Lucifer himself. So that could introduce a person into it. And then just straight out hedonism. Just, it feels good, do it. Um, that type of attitude, the free sex of the 60s, went hand in hand with the world of drugs and the world of the occult. Uh, but that could lead a person down. We, we talked about Aleister Crowley uh, before we started the class, and, and he was very hedonistic as well as very occultic, and it, it went hand in hand. He... He bragged that he had broken every one of the Ten Commandments, so he was saying that he actually killed another human being and got away with it. Uh, he also would have sex with animals, sex with females, and sex with males. And uh, uh, but hedonism uh, can lead a person. Uh, you know, the thing is, to, um, compulsive sexual immorality. 
it, it seems that in the, the Bible, consider that... I mean, you could have an inconsistent person who doesn't hold to paganistic beliefs, who's sexually promiscuous, um, but the sexual promiscuity was consistent with a pagan belief system. Okay? So, uh, you know, that's why the, the Bible would talk about, you know, you know, we shouldn't live as the Gentiles do. In other words, we shouldn't live as the world does because the world's a bunch of pagans and we're in false dabbling in false religions and all. Uh, but also another introduction to the world of the occult is uh, satanic rock and roll music and hedonistic rock and roll music. Most of the guys here that I'm going to list, I would I would guess that most of them n never, could, you know, don't even believe in the existence of Satan or the existence of demons. Ozzy Osbourne's gone. Uh, it's gone on record over and over again uh, saying that he doesn't believe the stuff he writes. Uh, but um, he also but feels that some of his songs just came to they're, in, they're inspired. And also, when the guy threw a, a bat on the stage and then he picked up the, the, the dead bat, or it might have been live, and he bit its head off and then spit it out, he, he, he after, the, after the concert was over, he rushed himself to the hospital and, and, you know, got shot so he wouldn't get rabies, but um, he said when that happened, he was all caught up in the feeling of the moment and he didn't know what came over him, but he felt like somebody else took over and made him do that. He also, uh, you know, I mean, this guy, you know, he's got the upside-down crosses on his album covers, I can remember when you know I used to I used to listen to him when he was with Black Sabbath and what was that one one of his songs uh, uh something about g generals you know oh what was it warlords with war, uh, he had that uh, oh, no, he talks about war, war pigs yeah where he talks about generals but he says he refers to them as being j just just like witches at black masses yeah. and but but they used to have satanic altar calls at the Black Sabbath concerts and now that Ozzy Osbourne is separate from them. He, he really hasn't changed his his uh, presentation. Satanic altar call. Uh, was, was, did I spell it wrong? That no, no. Oh, oh, oh. Satanic altar would be an altar call to accept Satan as your savior, rather than to accept Jesus as your savior. And they used to do that at Black Sabbath concerts. And uh, and, and see, and he didn't believe his stuff was right. He's like, hey, look, people are into sex, drugs, violence. Anything that's bad, and I can't find anything that's bad that's worse than this symbolic Satan dude. So he doesn't even believe in Satan in the demonic realm, but he figures that's what sells albums. There's two things wrong. And number one, it does exist, so it's, it's destroying him spiritually. Uh, but number two, you know, 13, 14-year-old kid that goes to his concerts, uh, he doesn't know that you're just putting on a show. And he's being led astray. And then another thing too is you can call it putting on a show, but uh, you know, technically speaking, a guy who doesn't really believe but preaches the gospel, he's preaching the gospel. So a guy who doesn't believe in Satanism but preaches Satanism, the fact of the matter is, he's still preaching Satanism. So, uh, um, you know. Well, we got the uh, 
most of your prophets today are not you don't find them behind pulpits it would be nice if people would come to church to try to find out what kind of worldview I should have what should my view be about God and about man and about salvation uh, but most kids are getting their worldview at the, at the rock concerts I mean and I, I'll put it to you when was the last time somebody parked their vehicle you know two or three miles away from our church because there was no parking any closer and then walked two miles in the pouring rain to get to church but that's exactly what happened at the Lollapalooza they were parking for the concert all these messed up hedonistic bands they were parking by my house a couple miles away from it and walking in the pouring rain I didn't know what happened you know, I'd get two blocks away from my house and there's cars all over the place illegally parked and everything um, that's that's their religion they're worshiping their god and uh, uh, but anyway satanic and, and hedonistic rock and roll music uh, bands like I'm just gonna run through some of the names of these uh, Slayer, King Diamond I spelt that wrong there's a few typos that, that Kurt picked up on already but Slayer, King Diamond, Iron Maiden, Megadeth and by the way uh, Unsolved Mysteries had a case where uh, the uh, murder suspect that had, or actually the murderer, had walked in to a store with a mega death shirt on and just pulled out a pistol and just blew somebody away for fun and that type of thing. I'm not saying that everybody who's into mega death, but what I'm saying is that's he's been pretty consistent with what's being preached at him and the lyrics. Whether or not the guys who are making all the money are laughing all the way to the bank and really believe it or not, that's a whole other story. Led Zeppelin, I used to listen to Led Zeppelin. Well, the lead guitarist, Jimmy Page, was a practicing witch. And uh, he bought Aleister Crowley's old castle in England. And uh, Robert Plant, the lead singer for Led Zeppelin, only visited that place once. Got some real bad feelings about the place. His little five-year-old son died shortly thereafter. And from that day on, he refused to ever go back. Uh, to Jimmy Page's castle in the former castle of Alistair uh, Crowley's. Uh, by the way, uh, Led Zeppelin's song, Stairway to Heaven, has backward masking on it, but they didn't do that themselves. Okay, you know, a lot of bands will, do on per will purposely put demonic messages, say things about Satan that should only be said about the Lord, they'll, put, they'll purposely put it on backwards onto the uh, you know the album they didn't do that with Stairway to Heaven it just worked out that way he's got a whole bunch of songs that don't make a lot of sense and Robert Plant admits that the words just came to him some type of inspiration so they talked about looking to the east too for basically for salvation what's that? I can't remember exactly but it, but it was something along the lines about talking about Satan and I, if I remember right saying things about Satan that should only be said about Christ and uh, basically attributing deity to him and basically talking about him as if he's the redeemer but the thing was this was not something they did this was Robert Plant's the way if you know anything about Led Zeppelin too and Robert Plant and his vocals um he does, if you hear his music and they gave you his words, you would still have no idea how to sing the song. You know, he just, he's a very unique guy. I mean, he's not singing off-key with the music, but he would sing in a real... That was, that was 
That was the thing about Zepp- Led Zeppelin. You either loved them or you hated them because they were very unique. They, uh, unlike a lot of the bands I listened to, or if you heard one of their songs, every song sounds almost identical to it. These guys would do things that were just. Sometimes you'd have to sit down and say, "Now wait a minute, was that really rock and roll?" Because it was, it had so much of this other element in there. So they were very unique in what they did. But basically, just the way he sang things, and then he would. Um, yeah, and, and and he would. Yeah, 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 and he he would he would do uh, he would do uh, uh, really non-words, you know, sounds kind of like Bruce Springsteen does. Like you know, he would do stuff like uh, you know moaning or whatever. I don't know what you'd call it. I don't want to start singing Zeppelin on it. But 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 basically, when you go when you do it in reverse. Uh, even when he was going forward and wasn't, you know, was just messing around with his voice, you go in reverse and there's some clear messages. There's a lot of, most of it is just confusion, like you would expect, but there are some cure, some clear messages there that uh, um, there's no way they could have done it purposely and uh, it just can't be a coincidence. See, see, but basically... You know, rock and roll started, you know, uh, Baby, Baby, Can't You Hear My Heartbeat, uh, Herman's Hermits, and, and I mean, uh, The Monkees. Um, how did it, you know, She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. You know, how did it get to that, to then, like, lyrics from Ozzy Osbourne when he was with Black Sabbath, uh, Would You Like to See the Pope on the End of a Rope? Um, that's a pretty big jump. And... Uh, but but I, I think that the drugs was the, the, I think the drugs basically and the rebellion against authority and the hedonism uh, they were the open doors for the demonic realm to come in. So these guys you don't have to believe in the demonic realm to open the door for the demons uh, to prop, come on in. Do you pick it up subconsciously or something, or what's the point of it? No, I, I, I really don't, I don't think there's any evidence for that. Uh, they've had guys trying to uh, memorize Bible verses while they're asleep by playing the recording of the same Bible verse over and over again, and it's never worked. The only time something like that's worked, it was the occult, it was uh, Edgar Casey. He used to memorize books of the Bible with just by sleeping close to the, uh, a closed Bible by his head. And because of that, a lot of Christians thought he must be, you know, must have been a Christian preacher because he could quote entire sections of the Bible. Uh, but, uh, uh, but no, I, I don't. I think all the evidence seems to indicate otherwise that uh, that uh, uh, it really doesn't have that big of an influence. But but the thing was, this occurred at a time when bands were doing that, were doing the backmasking, so people were looking for that kind of stuff and found some stuff on them on that song, Stairway to Heaven, and it turns out that it wasn't something that they did themselves. Um, but uh, anyway, so Led Zeppelin and all, that's the story there. Uh, Black Sabbath, when Ozzy Osbourne was with them, uh, they used to have satanic altar calls at, at the Black Sabbath concerts, uh, altar calls to accept uh, Satan as your savior, even though Ozzy Osbourne you know, claims to never have believed in Satan or the demonic realm. Was that? I don't think he did the No, no, he, but he's got the upside down crosses yeah. though. The satanic altar calls. That's why I put at Black Sabbath uh, yeah. concerts. 
Uh, Motley Crue, I think they had a pentagram on one of their album covers. I don't know too much about them. Uh, Judas Priest, I saw them in, in concert when I was a non-believer. And uh, there's been, uh, obviously, the name Judas Priest, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a slam on, like, you know, Levitical Priest. Judas was the one who betrayed Christ. So it kind of lets you know what side they're on. But uh, there's been... Uh, uh, deaths and uh, confiscated weapons at their uh, concerts also suicides while uh, two teenagers committed suicide with headphones on listening to one of their songs about suicide and it went to court there was a big case to try to uh, uh, sue them for that uh, Van Halen Van Halen was a pretty mellow band I mean I used to consider Van Halen corny I liked them to a certain degree, saw them in concert once, uh, but for the most part, they were just kind of too, they were almost like a modern rendition. Uh, what the Beach Boys were to that mellow rock in the early 60s, I considered Van Halen to the harder rock and roll of their time era. They were just too corny. They weren't as, as bad as Zeppelin and Aerosmith and that type of thing. Yeah, you know, even they had so you know running with the devil and that type of thing. See, so you, you find those kinds of messages, but basically Van Halen, you would find a lot of hedonism in their songs. Eagles, I mean, you don't get much more mellow than the Eagles uh, at the, as far as hard rock goes. But uh, their Hotel California, uh, that was basically a song uh, devoted to Anton Lavey, and his uh, Hotel California was actually uh, his the headquarters of his Church of Satan and. Supposedly he was supposed to be on the album insert, but I don't remember seeing a bald guy there. But but there was a lot of people on that album insert for the Hotel California. Uh, uh, what, what, what's that? No, we, we, uh, with Anton Lavey, it's it's all. He looks like he looks like Jay Buhner. But uh, um, Kiss, they they refer to themselves as, as Kiss is an acronym that stands for Knights in Satan's Service. Uh, one of their songs was King of the Nighttime World. And then again, these guys are not guys who believe, you know, they're, they're not, as far as I know, real Satanists. But that's the message, the message that came out. Twisted Sister, they used to be a New Jersey bar band that eventually made it big. Uh, I once saw them in a New Jersey bar, and when they walked out on the stage, I just walked out because uh, the... The guys I hung out with back in New Jersey, if, if guys walk out with makeup and eyeshadow and lipstick and uh, guys looking like they want to be girls, uh, i.e. the name Twisted Sister, uh, uh, I didn't want anything to do with that. I was, you know, I had enough Catholicism in me to beat into me to where I didn't want I, I knew when I was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but a heavy perversion and a heavy sexual content so that's the hedonistic aspect. Now, ACDC, there was a rumor that it stood for Antichrist Death Cult, and uh, they may may have even stated that at one time. I don't know. Uh, but then on other occasions, they have said that those initials stand for something else. But just their songs like Highway to Hell, and then they refer to hell as the uh, promised land. Something's wrong, boys. Uh, Hell's Bells, Sin City. And the Night Prowler song of a song about sneaking into rooms, people's bedrooms late at night and blowing them, blowing away their naked bodies or whatever. Well, this young punk in Cal Southern California, Richard Ramirez, that was his favorite song. 
all his friends knew it was his favorite song. He'd tell them all the time. And so eventually he made himself a self-styled Satanist. ACDC was his favorite band, and uh, he became the Night Stalker or the Night Prowler uh, there and blew away people until finally they, uh, they, uh, uh, few people saw him and whooped the tar out of him and held him till the cops got there. Uh, but, but these are just many different ways that people can uh, be introduced into the world of the occult. I noticed that most of the occultic influences that I, I've had in my life before I became a Christian was uh, uh, due to the uh, satanic and hedonistic rock and roll. Uh, raised in a good Catholic home, would never think of doing certain things, but because my favorite rock and roll stars, my favorite uh, preachers, they were my preachers back then, uh, because they were okay in the stuff in their songs, it uh, I kind of dropped my guard in a lot of areas and did a lot of stupid things and hurt a lot of people. And uh, you know, now that I've come to Christ, I just you know I just wish that we we have the ability to change the past, but you that's know, not the case. Because you're talking about how back in the '50s the way rock and roll was, and then how it started to change, and the further that society's gone down that path. You know, the more postmodern yeah. we become. Yeah. Uh, now, back in the mid '80s, you started having thrash metal started mm -hmm. coming out. Out of that, to death metal. Mm -hmm. And you run when you start getting into that. When you get beyond Metallica and Megadeth to the really what they call grindcore, mm -hmm. there are some bands that are, and there are more and more of them all the time as time goes on. That are outright Satanistic. Yeah. They are, they have a. Oh. Is it Lars Welk? No, no. Um, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, some of them are borderline, like Sepultura. They're a Brazilian death metal band. Um, but there's a lot of them, and they're not well known. They're mostly like underground. There's certain record labels. Uh, Nuclear Blast America is one that has some very severely bad uh, mm. groups on them. But These even, guys are outright, yeah. I'm talking real Satan worshippers, they outright in their songs blasting. It's not limited to, to, to rock and roll either. There's like a lot of the rap, like gangster rap and that type of stuff. I mean, one of the lyrics of one of their songs was, it's like a gang war between two gangs and some girls get killed and then everybody's running away uh, but the cops haven't showed up yet and so the guy asks during the song, you know, what do you do? And basically the information, the information that the advice he gives is that uh, you take liberties with the courts, uh, sexual liberties. So, uh, so basically, you know, with this, you know, gangster rap, you, you find it in other types of music as well. But uh, uh, with me, what you have to understand, I became a Christian in 81 and I have not... Uh, it was it was too big a part of my life, and there was a lot of worshiping of worshiping of self that that was all wrapped up in that, to where I, I never felt led to just go back into it to investigate it. So so you have to keep in mind. Uh, in fact, line number one: Slayer, King Diamond, Iron Maiden, Megadeth. I don't know a hill of beans about those boys. Uh, I was already a Christian when these when these when these guys were just getting out of diapers and picking up guitars. So uh, um, 
you know, 80s rock and roll, I don't know too much about. And, 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 and so, 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 so basically what I'm getting at is uh, um, there's, you know, when Kurt's talking about how these things have gotten worse and they've progressed to higher levels, um, you know, and then the thing is too is I think you can play, you can play the hard power chord type uh, rock and roll that I used to listen to, the, the Aerosmith type stuff. You can play that kind of music and put Christian lyrics to it and glorify God. Um, at the same time, and it might be just a generational gap, I don't know. I get the impression that a lot of uh, the music that is going on today that is being called music, I think it's it sounds so much like the punk of the, of the early 1970s where the lyrics and the melody don't really make any sense that don't have anything to do with the with the music that's being played if it's even music sometimes it's one or two chords the whole song um, and then nobody listens everybody's in the match pit so kind of you know that's where they pick people up and they bounce people are bouncing into each other and and so so basically nobody can nobody can hear the lyrics see my father couldn't understand you know if he listened to an Aerosmith song, he would not be able to understand the lyrics. Well, I had no problem. My ears were, were in tune to, to, to hard rock and roll. Well, if I listened to some of his old nightclub singers, half the time I couldn't tell you what they were saying. And, uh, and see, the thing is, too, my father used to say what I listened to wasn't music. But one day he's sitting down on his couch saying, Yeah, what you guys listen to, that's not music, and this and that. Now, this is real music. And I stopped for a minute and I listened. And he listened to a station that just played music, no lyrics, with a full orchestra. And they were playing Yesterday by the Beatles. And he was claiming that as, as part of his music, when in actuality, so it's a basically, you know, you just tone it down a little bit, and, uh, and it's still music. It's your music. But, <laughs> but, but now what we see going on, it, 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 it's, uh, it appears to be more like the disengaging of the mind a cessation of rational thought, um, almost getting into a Hindu trance and banging into people, and nobody cares about... See, music by definition is subjective. Real loud power chords to a Satanist might mean something really demonic, but uh, power, power chords, to, to when I hear it, I might be thinking, well, that sounds like Jesus, the second coming of Christ, and Jesus is going to return in, in power and glory. So music, by definition, is subjective. Once you put lyrics to it, then you give it an objective message. And then you have to test the spirit, see whether it's from God or not. Uh, the problem is, though, there is a point to where music becomes non-music. And uh, rather than design and order, there's nothing but chaos and destruction. That's the thing that bothers me, too. And, you know, I'm not trying to judge these guys because I know a lot of them have sincere motives and they're trying to reach a group of youngsters that there's a lot of Christian bands that are in that same genre they're in the, the death metal grindcore music and I've listened to some of these albums um, and I mean it it's like non-music yeah. you can't if you don't have the lyrics there in front of you you can't tell what they're saying yeah. and even with the lyrics sometimes it's hard is that really yeah. what the guy you know and it's like 
I, I love metal music, and you know, I listen to stuff like P.K. Mitchell, which is basically old hymns done to metal songs. I mean, it's just like it's awesome, and there's some really great power chords. You know, when they're singing "Onward, Christian Soldiers" to metal, I mean, it just really fires the soul. But some of this stuff. When you really listen to it, you get it can work you up into such a frenzy. Yeah. Even supposed Christian death metal yeah. that you have, I see that same kind of situation, that disengaging of the mind, everything becomes motion and activity. Yeah. Same kind of situation that Rajneesh Purim had. Yeah. And you see that even in supposed Christian concerts, I see that yeah. with the kids and uh, mosh and back and forth. Yeah. They're not listening to nothing. Yeah. They're in. They're in it for an experiential type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And it's real dangerous once you take the content out, and if the music is non you know, I could pick up a guitar, and because I don't know how to play a guitar, I can strum any, you know, just do, yeah, it's non-music. So a guitar doesn't make, and the thing is too, is you can have, you can have good musicians who choose not to use their talent and just to do a two-chord song, if you want to call it a song, and a lead singer who can sing really good, but just who chooses to scream, and uh, and then all the listeners choose not to listen. They just choose to 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 bounce uh, into people and stuff like that. And and then that's that's more of a, a Hinduistic experience. that because the lead singer of Judas Priest, Rob Alford. That guy can sing like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I've heard him sing like that before, yeah. and it just blew me away. But, yeah. but he chooses. Well, well, the thing is though, too, is even even with his kind of music, though, even with his, he's not as bad as the ones I'm talking about. Well, because you, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a beat. There's the chords make sense, and and although he's just belting it out, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm hearing today sounds more like the uh, the way the uh, Ramones started back in the early '70s uh, with the with the, the classic the punk, where they would play the same song on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and each time it was different because they didn't know how to play their instruments. That's how punk started. Guys who wanted to be musicians but weren't musicians, and the guy just banged his drums, and these other guys, and they just they just sing whatever they wanted to sing, and some the next day the song would be different. But then punk eventually improved to where it actually was a uh, a more primitive, simplistic type of rock and roll. It, sounded, it became like the new wave, like the Cars sounded actually like a throwback to some of the late 50s, a uh, little harder than some of the late 50s rock and rollers. But, uh, um, uh, okay, so that, that's the introduction to the world of the occult. Now the world of the occult, and under the world of the occult, which is going to take the remaining few lectures, we're going to look at astrology, parapsychology, reincarnation, transcendental meditation, fortune telling, psychic surgery, spiritism, what's now called channeling, and Satanism, both the modern Anton LaVey type and the traditional uh, Satanism. And then we'll look at witchcraft and demon possession and haunted houses. And then we'll close the, the series on the uh, cult close this course with the authority of the believer. Uh, so let's take a look at astrology. Astrology is the belief that the position of the stars and planets directly uh, influence people uh, and events. Actually it should be, since it's the position, it directly influences people and events. 
the heavenly bodies determine our future is the, the belief in astrology. Now take a look at uh, Isaiah 47. The Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 47. Uh, by the way, the uh, astrological charts are unscientific. I don't even think they have the right number of planets. I think they have... These, they made these things when they only knew of something like seven planets, so the charts are real unscientific. We'll and, and, uh, uh, and, and then, too, everything is based on your date of birth and time of birth and that type of thing. And so identical twins uh, should have identical futures, but in fact identical twins have different futures. And uh, so, you know, that disproves astrology as well. But look at Isaiah 47, uh, verses 12 to 15. And that reads, Stand now with your enchantments and the multitude of your sorceries in which you have labored from your youth, Perhaps you will be able to profit, perhaps you will prevail. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators uh, stand up and save you from these things that will come upon you. Behold, they shall be a stubble, the fire shall burn them, they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a cold to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. Thus shall you be. Uh, thus shall they be to you, with whom you have labored your merchants from your youth. They shall wander each one to his quarter. No one shall save you. He's basically saying your astrology can't save you, and it's from the pits of hell. Look at Deuteronomy chapter four and verse nineteen. Deuteronomy chapter four and verse nineteen. And uh, says, And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Uh, by the way, the earliest stage of astrology was actually worship of the stars. Modern scientific mind, we just we still believe the star. Now the stars are impersonal, but they control our futures our future according to the, the astrologers. Uh, but early on, it was the belief uh, that the, the stars were gods, were false gods. Uh, Deuteronomy, I mean, Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that God calls...